0: Talk some ball, 347-633-9365 is the number to call, so don't sit around, no time to stall, giving you football from wall to wall, and now we give you our two hosts, Emil and Chad with your breakfast toast!
1: Can we just play music for the entire show? Can I just like be a DJ for the be a DJ? say a couple things? Yeah, I'll just be a DJ, we'll spin some records, and I mean like uh, some new stuff, like New Edition.
2: Yeah, well, if we're <laughs> you know doing I mean? DJing, then you got to be the DJ, because you don't want me spinning those records.
1: Yeah, well, I think this this new era of uh, child, let's say, they need to hear something a little different than what they've been hearing. Nevertheless, coming up on the show today, as you may have seen my lovely video on Instagram, promoing the show. Alex Rodriguez hit 661 last night it's a very little fanfare. Why would that be?
2: Um, oh, no, no, no. I have a bunch of Yankee fans up this way, man. They were just getting They all giddy giddy that about it.
1: 661, were they, really?
2: Oh, you know you know what's funny about fans? It, it just goes to show you, you know, you could commit a double homicide or a triple homicide, oh, and if you went oh. out and did something on the field, I think you'd have fans.
1: Hey man, listen. It's what I've been saying. It's about what's on the field for crying out loud. That is the deal. That's that's uh.
2: I mean, this is a guy day, that we were making fun of like a year or two ago. Yankee fans included, by the way. It couldn't stand the guy. Didn't want him. Now he hits a homer. The Yankees are playing pretty good ball, and all's you know, well again.
1: Almost anything will be forgiven if down three nothing in a pivotal, pivotal. Playoff game, you can crush a Grand Slam. It will cure anything. I promise you that a, a, an outstanding punt return when your team is down to bring them to victory can cure just about any transgression you have committed off the field. And that is America, and that is sport. If and OJ could Canada. run the
2: Rock today, he'd be fine.
1: No problem that he may have possibly slit the throat
2: Potentially. of human
1: beings. Potentially, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, well, yes, if he could uh, slice through the defense, cut it up field, and go 60, it's all good, baby. Okay. <laughs> so, that's we're, how, so we're going, that's going how low here good. on a
2: Friday morning because you and I have all just made fun of a double it's homicide. It's Friday. Go
1: low. You're supposed to go low on Friday. Yeah. I wish I had that song here, Get Low. We play it right now. But uh, those are a couple of the topics on the table today. All Also on the uh, table today, sagging balls. We just can't get away from this topic. Have you seen the the front the of the New York Post?
2: Have you seen it?
1: Yeah, they went all the way with it. They oh, yeah. Hey, read, read the headline for our lovely viewers here.
2: Meet Well, first of all, it has a portly middle-aged man with a nice-sized belly walking down the steps in his... What I call nice, shower
1: shoes. With a description of his abdomen. Yeah, I'm going to it's
2: give you everything nice. with the shower shoes on, you know, so I can see his toes, mm-hmm. which I don't want to see. And it says, "Meet yeah. the deflator." That's in big, <laughs> that's in big letters. And then underneath the the, the sub headline is, "This is the guy who handles Tom's balls." <laughs> <laughs>
1: the, New, <laughs> the New York Post. Makes no bones about what they're about, okay? They're loose. They're they're so close to TMZ, it's not even funny. But it's and How closest. I
2: reposted this and set it up on my page was well, I would have thought Tom could do a little better than this, but I guess the guy's funny.
1: <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to find that right now, and I'm going to repost it as we speak Go to my right page. Here, nevertheless, sagging balls may sack Tom Brady for. An entire year, so we'll be talking about that and more on the show today. If you want to join us, the number to call, 347-633-9365. We'd love to hear from some Boston-area folks how they feel about such a thing. I'm sure they have a strong opinion on it, but again, 347-633-9365 if you want to join in on our discussions here on the show today. As always, you can reach us on Twitter with your questions and comments at or email us, c wilson at Studs. Or you know what? You can email us at Show at Com. Do need to uh, point that out to the lovely folks at home. So many ways for you to join in, and as well, there is a chat room. There's no excuse, okay, really. There's no excuse for you not to be involved in the show today. Uh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear, um, you know, your boss is a jerk, you have a torn labrum. I don't want to hear any of the excuses. Right. Wait,
2: was it our last show that we had the cuz I love I love callers from New York cuz they don't pull any punches. We had the New York caller who called the West Coast caller an ass clown. He did. Yeah, that's right. I I love the way he came in with that cuz I mean I don't know about down that down that way, but that's a term that up here in the Northeast, we 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 like to use. I mean, when you know, so I mean, he, when he came hard with that ass clown, I thought I, that really cracked he me did,
1: up. He did. He did. And that term has made its way down here to South Florida. It's okay. Frequently, by because you know, uh, you when you have that area. Italian
2: strong New York yeah. accent, that kind of like, hey, that is ass that an ass clown. where ass
1: clown comes from. It's yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh,
2: it's, it's, it's it To me, it was Sicilian always a Northeast heritage. term. Yeah. <laughs> it was like you know, we like to use it up here.
1: Good. Well, that's awesome. Like I said, it's made its way down here. It's been popularized by uh host Joe Rose. You may remember him as a pass-catching tight end for Dan Marino, but he's also yes. a radio host down here. And uh yeah, he likes the use of the ass clown. Um so, we did have that last time. That that did go on here. So, uh Amo, let's 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 start with this. I've been on this all week as you as you and Many of my followers and friends on Facebook have known, I've been on the Floyd Mayweather thing all week. I promised at the beginning of the week that I would be on it all week. And I like to follow through. And by golly, they've given me enough um, ammunition to keep this thing going. So here is the latest. First, he said he would give him a rematch. Now, on second thought, dude, you're a coward. So Floyd Mayweather is not going to uh, give the rematch Manny Pacquiao, well, there's nothing
2: enough. there for a rematch. That's the problem. How do you sell a rematch at 100 bucks a pop after after putting that out the first time? I mean, that wasn't Ali Frazier 71, where Ali got back in the ring with the ch- with Frazier was the champ and Frazier clocked him in the 15th round and Ali got up. I mean, that set up the second fight. I mean, everybody wanted to see it, which set up the third fight. They were classics. Nobody wants to see a second fight. I mean, well, I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people, in my opinion, will want to mm-hmm. see a second fight between these guys.
1: I, you know, I really wonder what kind of numbers they could uh, put up. To be quite honest with you, I, I, I would have to say it won't be what, what, what they got the first time. We know that for sure. But um, well, wait, wait,
2: wait. You, if you're not a diehard Mayweather fan, and you paid a hundred bucks for that fight, I would say that you would have to have your sanity check to pay a hundred bucks again.
1: I promise you, Mayweather's fans are not the ones that buy these fights. It's people that want to see him go down. That's who's buying the fights, and if they could do a good enough job leading up to the fight um, to sell Manny's health being better than he was before, being better than ever, I don't know. I
2: think the they fight. have big issues, Chad. On this fight alone, I think there's going to be some lawsuits. I mean, here here's the thing: this guy filled out you know the boxing this forms. lawsuits,
1: but are they going to get any money?
2: Oh, they may listen, he filled out a form saying he knew of no injuries and then Aram comes along and says the guy had a torn, you know, whatever it was, rotator cuff. Well, you know, if you filled that out saying you weren't injured, you basically you, you committed a fraud.
1: Well, let me ask you this question though. All right, you're Manny Pacquiao. You're huh? 38 years old. You're at the end of uh you're you're pretty much to the end of your road. This is the last fight that's going to really bring you in any significant amount of money. And here it is. It's been built up forever. You're at the cusp of the fight, the eve, or whenever it is, they present you with that form. And you are asked that question. Do you you check the box that says, I'm injured, and you delay this fight, which uh, according to uh, doctors out there, you're talking about uh, 9 to 12 months? Do you do that? Do you check that box, or do you... Or do you say I'm not injured and you get your payday?
2: Well, Let's let me answer it for you in a two part. I, I may say I'm not injured, but before I do, I'm going to make sure no one knows about the original injury except mm-hmm. my, me and my shoulder because <laughs> mm-hmm. telling people about it and then checking the box is stupid when you're talking about. I mean, this fight was you're talking about what? One guy got 150, 180 million, the other guy got 100. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know.
1: It's pretty- yeah, so the big. So the biggest mistake here, you're saying, is disclosing that you had the injury after the fact. Pretty much. basically.
2: Well, in yeah, my opinion, kept yeah. That to
1: himself. I mean, I'm yeah, answering it like the, honestly. You want me to answer it thing, honestly.
2: Man. It's going to be hard for me to say I'm in a brutal sport like boxing that I'm not just going to go in there and fight with what I got for $100 million. I'll admit that to you. I mean, I'm not saying
1: – I don't know how I'd
2: answer it. I mean, I have to tell you. I, I mean, listen,
1: you, I know how I'd answer it. I'm very easily going to check that box and say I'm not injured. and Yeah. Come what may, uh, but you're not going to tell the world that, that you I were think.
2: after the fact, are you?
1: You would hope not, Amo. But let me tell you something: it's it, 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 man, pride and the ego is a is a tremendous thing, and especially in this sport. I mean, who well, has pride
2: cometh before the fall, right? That's the old saying. So if you're if you're dumb enough to tell people after you check the box and got your check for a hundred million bucks, then to me you deserve whatever happens because you're an idiot. I mean.
1: Yeah, um, that much I, I can't, I don't know that I can disagree with. I will say again that, you know, pride and ego is a big thing in a boxer. I mean, if you've seen boxers it's and you've seen them talk, and it's you got to have a tremendous amount of confidence, and a lot of times that spills over. So I think that's what you had after the fact. I think Manny was thinking, this is it, this is the end for me, and I don't want to go out like this, so let me just, let everyone know well, that i did you know have an this injury. too
2: you're you you've watched boxing your whole life and you, you get boxing is a hard sport to analyze in this sense um mayweather's skills and his and the way he fights aged better than a guy like pacquiao i, I think you said at last show this fight probably need to need to happen about 7 years ago now 7 years ago and i know i'm going to piss off some mayweather fans i'm not so sure mayweather beats pacquiao i'm not saying he doesn't I'm just saying. I think
1: we have a better fight at the very I beginning. think you
2: have a different fight because it's a different Pacquiao. And, you know, they're going to say, well, it's a different Mayweather. Listen, Mayweather's always been Mayweather, and his skill set, to his credit, has seemed to age pretty well. I mean, his game, he can still do what he does. It's not like he's any worse today than he was then, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might be a little slower, but it doesn't seem to affect him. Whereas a guy like Pacquiao, I just think when he was younger, he was a much different fighter. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I totally agree with what you say, the way Mayweather fights. Um, he could probably fight another five, six years like this. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, and, you
2: know, you look at a guy like Pacquiao, right? I mean, I said this a couple, couple times on the last show. I mean, you got to look the last seven or eight fights. That this guy, he's, he's been getting beat, knocked out by good fighters. I mean, he's not the hmm. same guy. And, you know, I know everybody's, oh, the steroids. Well, that's never been proven. I mean, so, uh, you know, all I know is at age 29, he was a lot different fighter than he is now at 36 or 37, where I don't see much of a difference in Mayweather. I mean, he was never a big puncher, and he seems to be just as elusive as he ever has been. So,
1: Yeah, and I don't know that I've ever bought on to the whole steroids thing. Uh, Pacquiao's career seems to have followed the same path of a Roy Jones, who, was, uh, who could be vicious with his combinations and had knockout power and was also a, uh, a difficult person to hit. Uh, was very quick in the ring, and once he got knocked out by Antonio Tarver, uh, he never really got right again. Which is kind of the same thing that happened with Pacquiao. Once you get touched like that, uh, and you reach a certain age, where you know not you're you're also aggressive, and you're not just going to duck and dodge all the time like a Pacquiao, then you know you're going to start taking some hits, and then that's going to take its toll on well, you. Well, and so. fighters are a
2: lot different too. In that some fighters, okay aggressive fighters when they're younger and they're aggressive they also have more defensive skills they've never really been tested and sometimes you don't find out about their chin until they get hit classic example of that by the way was Mike Tyson I mean Mike Tyson Mm -hmm. was probably one of the most vicious punchers in my lifetime I've ever seen I mean a different kind of puncher I mean the analogy I give to people is Tyson was like getting run over in the street by a Porsche I mean he would hit you and you were just out a guy like right. George Foreman was get, like getting hit by a dump truck. I mean it was either way you were out, but it was a different kind of out um but Tyson just couldn't take a punch and you know the first time i I realized that was when he actually won a fight against Razor Ruddick. He got hit in the seventh or sixth round, and frankly, if Ruddick wasn't intimidated by Tyson's punching power, he might have taken Tyson out that day, but he let him go, and then Tyson knocked him out a round or two later. I kind of feel that way about Jones and Pacquiao. You know, they they probably were never hit, really hit hit, as they were younger because they had defensive skills. And as those skills go away, and you're still aggressive, if mm. you don't have the chin to take it, you know. Mm. And then that that's kind of why I always felt, you know, you. I don't you know, know me. that I
1: would say. I don't know that I would say uh, that Tyson couldn't take a punch. I think the biggest thing was the invincibility. That was a big part of it and the intimidation of it all, and when he was finally um, put down, that kind of took a different course. But then you do have to factor in the time away from this. Well, let me give you, you an example ahead.
2: of what I mean by this quickly. You, and I'm sure you've seen this, almost any person who likes sports has. Do you remember the famous punch in 71 that Frazier hit Alley with in the 15th round? When Frazier dropped won, them, the
1: de- dro- dro- dropped him like, dropped him like, like, uh, like feet, yeah, he went feet place. first,
2: Ali. Okay, Angelo mm-hmm. Dundee, to the day he died, always said no other fighter would have gotten up from that. Mm-hmm. Ali got up, finished the round, lost the decision, came back and beat Frazier the next two times in those classic fights. Okay, my mm-hmm. point is, the thing that people forget about Ali, he could take a punch. I mean, Ali could take a punch with the best of them. I mean, George Foreman, he he allowed George Foreman to beat him up for seven rounds. Until Foreman couldn't hold his hands up anymore, and then he took Foreman out. Right. I, that, that to me is what made him, in my mind, the greatest heavyweight ever because he could not only dish out punishment, but he could take it. And people don't realize mm-hmm. that because they think of Ali as, you know, this great defensive fighter, and he was. But, but if you caught him, it was still hard mm-hmm. to, you know, it was still hard to take him out of a fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and that, then you know, true. I don't that, see that. These there other there guys. is
1: another factor in the greatness of. Muhammad Ali and we could you know, probably spend a ton of hours You talking could tell I'm an that. Ali
2: fan, can't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, who's not, really, at this point? Even if you despised him back in the day But I did point, despise him. He was
2: my favorite. I used to love him. No, and I thought right, the guy was right At the very
1: least, though, you have to have some respect for him, even if you were a guy that hated him back in the day, you know, so, but, you know Muhammad Ali has a ton of fans at this point. At the end of the day, though uh, the latest is Floyd Mayweather does not want to uh, engage in a rematch with Manny Pacquiao so we could put that to bed. I don't know what's left for boxing, but, uh, you know, there it is. I'm if, not sure there's there is. a fight
2: out there, to be honest with you, at this point. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Mayweather walks away. I'm not sure there's a fight out there for him. I mean, I know he want, He's going to tee somebody else up because what does he need? One more for fifty? Is that what he's at he right does, now? Well,
1: well, no. More than that. No, he he needs one more for forty-nine, which would time with Marciano. But more than that, he does need to fulfill a contract with Showtime, um, and that's 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 the biggest thing he needs to accomplish at this point. If you've listened to Mayweather, he sounds like uh, if you if you want to believe what he has said um, in in press conferences and post fight, that he's j- just fine with. Ending his career after he's fulfilled that agreement. Yeah, the I think time. he
2: may just line up a couple more to fulfill the contract. Get to his undefeated. You know, I mean, they may they may actually give him a couple fights that you know are set up for him to you know basically style wise. I'm not sure there's a big fight. I don't know that he
1: cares though, um, Emil. I get the impression that Floyd is about the money when it comes to this whole boxing thing and whether or not he passes Marciano. He could care less. He already knows he will not be an individual that would be considered. Uh, the greatest or or even one of the greatest of all time. He's already resigned himself to that fact. Um, if you've seen some of the video, uh, someone's posted a video where he predicted how people would look at this Pacquiao fight after it was over, and apparently this was something that he did months ahead of time, or maybe even a year or two ahead of time, where he said that people will call the fight boring if he beats him. Um, he knows what he is, and he's in this for the money. And for that, man, I'm not... It's, I take a tough position for people to understand. I am okay with Floyd, the businessman. I'm okay with Floyd coming into boxing and um, doing what he needs to do to make all the millions that he made. Just please don't call him one of the greatest of all time. Just don't like what he does in the
2: ring. No, but I'm okay with that. Him. I mean, it's a vicious sport. I mean, if you can figure it's, – it's a vicious sport. It's entertainment. If you can figure out a way to capitalize on it, he didn't steal the money. He fought – he did what he was asked to do and people paid him to do it. I don't have a problem with what he did.
1: Yeah, um to that extent. Just don't 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 put him in there with the greatest. Have you I don't know if this is happening on your timeline, but it's certainly happening on mine. Um as a result of this fight being the biggest fight of all time money-wise, uh and ending up being a dud by the opinion of most and many, uh, I'm getting old time fights posted all over my timeline Or leonard versus duran and Hagler versus hearns and wilfred benitez i mean i'm getting female boxing posted um anything where there was some serious action going on people are posting uh on my timeline so
2: that is Uh, that's not an indictment
1: on this fight then i think
2: this may be a cultural thing and maybe i'm reading this the wrong way help me if i am I really still, like, I, I still enjoy, like, if there was good fighting going on, which I don't think there is anymore, I would still consider myself to be a, a boxing fan. I like watching a good fight that's a big fight. I mean, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to watch ESPN, you know, six-round fights or whatever they have on with. But, you know, mm-hmm. but I think in the, for white people, it seems like that ultimate fighting championship stuff mm-hmm. and MMA mm-hmm has really become big, and I i mean, personally, I'm not into it, but it seems like in the black community, boxing is still a big deal. So I think it, what I'm trying to say is I think you may be getting more of that than me. I'm not so sure mm-hmm. that most of the people I know are really that into boxing anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Does that well, make if sense? You were gonna,
1: or... And before we go to break, let me ask you this quick question. If you were going to save boxing, right, mm-hmm. let's say someone hired you and put you in charge of saving the sport of boxing that is losing popularity as, you know, and anyone can see that. Tell me some tell me the things you would do right now. Few things. Fix that.
2: Um first off, no kidding. I mean, I know you're going to laugh at me again. I would have that scoreboard. I want to know the, the score of the fight as it goes along mm-hmm. for all the judges. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be sitting there in the audience um l- you know, suspenseful like I'm watching the end of a movie so I could find out what happened. I want to know what's the score going into the 10th round. What's the score? Okay. So that's number 1. That's a small mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't think. The second thing I would do is, I would have official rankings, almost like college football. Maybe a conglomeration mm. of all the rankings, and I would I would make fights mandatory all the time. In other words, if you're the champ, you don't get to hand pick some bum you're going to fight. You're going to fight the number one contender. I mean, mm. Mm. in other words, we don't have these guys keeping championships for years on end without ever really fighting a fight of, of any right. consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that's the first two things. And then the big thing, and I don't know how you necessarily do this, because other sports have hurt boxing, is that see when the big guys aren't good, and I mean the heavyweights, no matter how mm-hmm. good the middleweight, welterweight divisions are, which are usually very exciting, without mm-hmm. the big guys, boxing dies. And the problem is big guys, fighter skills, athletes, are playing sports mm-hmm. like football and basketball anymore. See, mm-hmm. you got to remember, in the 40s and 50s, you think about sports the nfl was nowhere near where it is today in popularity Mm -hmm. the nba was just really coming into its own as a as a league uh -hmm. baseball in 1940 let's say was completely white Mm -hmm. so boxing got a lot of great athletes because especially a a, a lot of a lot of black athletes were in boxing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and and as, as time has gone on you know there's more more opportunity in other sports, and kids are playing football and basketball and whatever, soccer. And it even. sounds
1: like football has killed, like, everything else almost. Well, do you think I'm
2: crazy what I'm saying? I mean, think about it. You no, got no, guy no. That, the
1: popularity of football, no no,
2: no doubt. It's. it's what does a linebacker or a tight end look like if they weren't playing those sports? Football. They, they look like a heavyweight boxer. I mean, you look at a linebacker, 6'4", 240, a, a tight end, you know. 6652250. That's a heavyweight.
1: Well, what do you do what do you do promotional wise though? Because that's what fuels everything nowadays. What do you do promotional wise if you're boxing to um get get some energy back into your sport?
2: Well, I think I think those kind of things would help. I mean, ultimately, you, you know, it's going to be baby steps. You're not just all of a sudden going to flick a switch one day and make boxing popular again. It's a brutal sport. Um most people participating in boxing, regardless of ethnicity or anything else, come from tough upbringings and tough neighborhoods. So, you know, until you get more gyms, you know, opening in the inner cities, uh, you know, where kids have an opportunity to fight. I mean, sure, there's still gyms, but I'm going to guess there's probably not as many as there was Mm -hmm. 50 years ago. You know, and teach kids how to fight the right way. I mean, it's a bunch of stuff. There's no switch. There's no magic fix here. I mean, the, the sport has to become more credible. I think there's a credibility issue with fans. They see decisions that don't make sense. They see fights where, you know, you, people are getting stiffed for big money going to see a fight because they don't get the fight they want. It's a lot of things, Chad. It's not going to be an easy pay per, fix.
1: Maybe pay-per-view has kind of helped in ruining the sport.
2: Well, the money is the money has definitely, in a lot of ways, for the, from the fan perspective, sucked it out of it because... Go back to your childhood. I mean, in the 70s, it was nothing to turn on uh, uh, ABC Sports and yeah, see an alley fighting. Yeah, you'd see an alley or a frazier. See a, you, could
0: see,
1: you could see it. And, and not, a, not those guys against a tomato can. We're talking a big time fight.
2: A big time fight. So, fight you, you could, know, you see, would yeah. see things like that, and you're just not seeing that anymore. So, what happens over time is. You get less interest people you know people don't care about the sport they they stop following it. It's a lot of things I mean it really is i think I think boxing's done a lot of it to itself, and then the other sports, like I said over time have have just filled that vacuum, you know the vacuum was created, and then you know you go in the inner cities and guys that are six four and two forty who boxed fifty and sixty years ago now they're playing football or now they're playing power forward in the n b a whatever
1: yeah, yeah, very true, very true, all true things there. Uh, my friend and also co-host. Um, so from boxing to uh, balls is gonna is where we're gonna turn here on the Gridiron Stud Show. But no balls yet. We've got to go to a commercial break. When we get back, Tom Brady. Will the NFL really sack this guy for a full season? Amin will, will talk about it when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show. Right after this. <laughs>
0: Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you
1: may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Studs show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
0: Uh. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges?
1: In case you had a little bit of trouble getting going here on a Friday morning, Rick Flair wants to put a little pep in your step and boost you up, and also letting you know that he is having a hard time keeping these Gators down. Man, I loved wrestling growing up.
2: Had oh man! In there,
1: hook, line, and sinker, didn't they? What a love! My grandfather
2: sport. came over from Italy, you know, like 1919. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid in the 70s, like you know, he was, you know, back then he was like 75, 75 back in 1970. He was like being 95 mm-hmm. today, as far as. So, he, you know, he was older. He thought it was real. Like, he would watch it. God love him. He thought it was real. We couldn't convince him that it was. I remember my well, father trying to tell him. Well, it's you had that, okay, because I believe
1: wrestling was real, and my grandfather was there at every turn to crush that dream for me. I
0: mean, Oh, you were the opposite, op right.
1: right. Oh, yeah, I'm like, come on, what's up with this dude hating on the sport like that, man? Of course that guy just went off the turnbuckle like that and landed on that guy and then yeah. the guy um, yeah I remember what's my dad
2: trying to trying to explain to him dad dad this is it's all scripted no <laughs> he just did not believe it of
1: course they threw salt in that guy's eyes like that and he was just <laughs> fine 2 minutes later what's the problem that was uh that was great all right nevertheless uh we've got a situation here Amoel and I'm hearing this talk okay and if you've been under a rock somewhere um, and you didn't know about it. The uh, what's the name of the guy who does all the reports? That types up. He's typed up so many pages of reports. Two hundred forty-three. Oh uh, yeah, pages. I know. I don't know who and it is, but yeah, it's,
2: Sorry, it's the, the Brady. Report. I know the Brady guy. Yep, yep. Yeah, two hundred and
1: forty-three pages and interviewed. I don't know how many how many people did he interviewed. Three
2: thousand. Uh, probably everybody in the state of Massachusetts has been interviewed.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, he needed to interview a couple hundred people. Uh, when all you really needed to do was to interview uh, three or four guys in the locker room to just find out what was going on. you got to love it uh, yep. when money is put to great use like that. Nevertheless, the end, at the end of the Wells report, it has been determined, according to the report, that uh, the balls were indeed tampered with, done so deliberately, and that Tom <laughs> Brady, uh, in fact, had knowledge of um, the mishandling of these balls. So that's according to reports going to cost Tom Brady possibly an entire football season. Amo I don't see that happening.
2: Not an entire season. Well, first of all, I'm sick of trying to explain this to people because everybody's tried to blow this off and and, and kind of use the old uh, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, which, which is really results-oriented thinking. Like I said a long time ago when this first came out, if it wouldn't have mattered anyway, then why the hell did the Patriots feel compelled to do it? They didn't exactly. know they were going to win... Dad, they didn't know they were going to win the game 45-7. That's number one. I had a guy say to me yesterday, oh, you know, when you guys pitched, I used to take the ball when I was catching and rub it off my shin guard. What's the difference? And I said, well, there's a big difference. His name was Dave. I said, Dave, here's the difference. That ball was already in play. If the quarterback wants to step on it with his spike in front of the referee once it's on the field, I don't care because the referee can throw the ball out if he wants to. I said, let me give you a better analogy. I hand you 20 baseballs before the game. You take them in the locker room and loosen the stitching on all of them, and then hand them to the umpire. So when I throw my fastball and a guy hits it, instead of going 400 feet, it goes like a, it goes like a tomato, 250 feet, and my center fielder catches it. I said that's a better analogy if you want to use baseball. I said so don't give me this oh everybody doctors the ball. Corey Aikman and Joe Montana had a very good conversation about this months ago and they both mm-hmm. said how neither of them could throw at football. And, and Aikman had big hands, but they also mm-hmm. pointed out that the balls were rock hard back in the day. And then Man- Manning and Brady around 2006-2007 went and you know, cried to Tagliabue that you know they don't like throwing the football like that. And they came up with this rule that each team gets to have 12 footballs for offense. Okay, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the fact that a guy like Aikman who's in the Hall of Fame is telling you, hey, I had a hard time throwing a wet football. It tells you why a guy would want to let two pounds of air out of a football. It makes it easier to throw and catch in, in the rain and it was rainy that day. So don't but give wait, me this let crap. Me rewind that doesn't you matter. On
1: something. They went and cried and and then the rule became that you can have twelve uh footballs offensive, offensive. footballs. But what what's that mean? You can do whatever you want to no, the ball. No, it meant that you, you
2: could let... you could do you could rough them up you could you could treat them however you like, but the balls get checked in by the refs before the game, and I believe they need to have between 12 and 13 pounds per square inch of air, and the refs, you know, stamp them as good. So mm-hmm. when you start cheating, okay, in, in terms of changing equipment, it is a big deal. Well, you know, what if an NBA team said, you know, our jump shooters seem to shoot better when the basket's at 9 feet 10 inches.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so-, so, you know...
2: So, we're going to go and we're going to play games, and the baskets are going to be 9 feet 10 inches in this arena. I mean, right. you can't do stuff right. like that.
1: Or just uh, at that size to the basket we're going to, you know, uh, and you are otherwise going to Yeah, we're going, going to subtly basket, adjust to be... the
2: rims between quarters. You're not even going to notice it because the place is rocking. And the basket we're going to is going to be 9 feet 10 inches. Yours is going to be 10 feet. No big deal, yeah. right? Because we won by 30 anyway. So what's the difference?
0: Um,
1: so what what to what to make here? I I spoke some about this yesterday. Uh, you know, you're gonna have those folks that say if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying, so on, and so forth, blah blah blah. Uh, do you agree with that saying? Do you agree with that thought process? And then how do you apply it here?
2: No, I don't like that thought process. I don't like it. It's it's, it's bad for sports. It's bad for the country. It's a bad message to send to people in general. Take shortcuts. And by the way, if you are cheating and you don't get caught, I guess you weren't cheating. But when you do get caught, you pay the price, and there's consequences. So don't tell me about, you know, I mean, I have a lot of people that point out the old Gaylord Perry, and we've talked about that, you know, how it's been, you know, he was a pitcher back in the 60s and 70s. He's in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, everybody in baseball at the time knew this guy doctored the ball. But it was a different era. We didn't have TV to catch people. For some reason, people romanticize that stuff. I guarantee you, if a guy's on the mound now throwing Vaseline on a baseball and they got him on high-definition television, he's getting suspended.
1: Yeah, uh, he'd be crucified. Now, but let's talk about the real issue here. Okay, uh, we found out that Tom had some knowledge and in some way, shape, or form Involved in the shenanigans. That Wait, down stop yourself. Had
2: some knowledge. Come on, you, you played big-time football. I'm the going with i <laughs> terms are not that touching are being
1: a... used in our media, okay? I'm trying yes. to not insert so much of That's that. That fat bastard in that video.
2: picture on the New York Post is not touching <laughs> that football. Unless his hero Tom Brady tells him it's okay. Yeah, let's okay. be real.
1: That's not something these guys are gonna go haul off and do on their own. Okay? No. Not only did he not only did he have knowledge of it, uh, he damn well ordered it. But you know, we're gonna go with the media who's got the soft. You want the of... truth,
0: Chad? You can't <laughs> yeah, handle well, the truth. I love well, no the deflation.
1: <laughs> no one in the New England area can handle the truth. But what should happen here? Is this a whole year offense? Do we need to see Tom Brady gone? Here's what I think. Well, let me tell you what I think is going to
2: happen. Goodell seems to be overreaching on a lot of penalties these days because of what happened to him last year. He's reacting to the pressure he got, uh, you know, and and what he came under with the Ray Rice penalty, okay? Mm. I think he may lay out a year knowing full well it's never going to stand. I mean, I think he may just say so fans can't accuse him of being in bed with Kraft and all that. He may come down at a year. Um, then Brady and the Players Association are going to come hard back at the NFL. And if that happened, if that was the first, if the first shoe that fell was a year, I think Brady ends up with eight games. I think Brady's going to end up of, with half. Man, I think he's gonna, season. Well, I think he's going to end up with half of whatever Goodell lays down. I mean, if Goodell comes up and says eight games, I think Brady will end up at four. At, at least, I think the minimum Brady's getting here is four. If Goodell comes in at four, then I think that's where it ends up because I think he's going to get four. If he, in other words, you have to give this guy four games or the, or the integrity of your sport comes into question. If you can do stuff like this, then where do you draw the line? Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and if it was a first-time offense, I think people would be like, hey, okay, two games. But you're talking about this is a Patriot organization. We've laid this out on other shows. They taped Super Bowl practices. They were told not to tape opposing people's sidelines, with opposing teams. They did it anyway. There's always been this cloud of, "Hey, we don't really give a crap what the rules are. We're going to do what we want to do." And I think that's very dangerous in a league like the NFL. And I and I think the commissioner is going to understand that. So uh, this may be bigger than. I think if than... he
1: gets, a, I think if he gets a wrist slap here, if the Patriots get a wrist slap. Um. I think that would be a tremendous motivator for some other team to do something along this lines just to see what would happen. You know what I mean? Let's see what let's see what happens if we try something like this.
2: Because these well, guys happens, have been So what happens if what happens if this times. happens? Let me give you let me give you a funny example and you say this can't happen, but this has happened in high school games up here over the years and I'm sure down there. You're playing a really fast team. You're at home. Oops, we had a water leak in our stadium. The field's almost mud. Mhm. What happens? What are they going to do to you? If they they find the team, they're going to say, wait a second. The Patriots deflated the football. Nothing happened to them. How do you know we didn't have a water leak?
1: Yeah, something along those lines, man. I can see it coming. If they don't do what they need to do. But do you want to see Brady gone for for, No, I don't want to see him gone a year.
2: Listen, here's what I think he deserves. Four games. If it were me, four games is 25% of a season. It's not a wrist slap. It's significant, but it's not so much so that that I think it's over the top. I think he's I think he's got to get four games, but I do think up if it's beyond four games, if it's eight, I think he'll end up at four anyway because I think he'll appeal it. If it's 16, he may end up at eight. I think whatever the commissioner comes up with beyond four is going to get appealed. I think if it's four, you may just see them accept it because they want it to go away at this point.
1: Yeah, I think that's the maximum uh, yeah. for, you know. Yeah. But would, could that affect their season? Are we ready well, you got to
2: Garoppolo think New England is drafted pretty well. That quarterback they got from Eastern Illinois is supposed to be decent. you got to think New England at four games can go 2-2. Two and two. And if they're 2-2, two and two, they're fine.
1: That could be enough for them not to get home field advantage throughout the
2: playoffs. Well, easy. their fourth game of the season happens to be my Dallas Cowboys in Texas Stadium, so I'm thinking they're going to want to have Tom Brady for that game.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is where you know, there's, there's money implications here. So doesn't it matter. I mean, the, they listen. Balance. They
2: made their bet here. I think that there has to be a penalty. I mean, I think you agree with me from what you're saying. I mean, there has oh, yeah, to be. Oh yeah, there
1: needs to be a penalty. I just don't. And know it can't it be money, be Chad.
2: You can't say to a team, we're going to fine you $250,000. Big deal. Robert Kraft mm-hmm. is worth, what, $5, 6000000000 billion? That's tip money.
1: True. Um,
2: it's got to be draft picks. Pocket. It's got to be games. It's got to be something that hurts the franchise. In other words, they didn't take draft picks away. And I don't want to hear, well, we're going to take away your 2016 first rounder. Big deal. Basically what you're telling me is there's no consequence. Because the Patriots can deal without having a first rounder next year.
1: Um, true, true. That's not going to be be a tremendous impact on them. Uh, so, yes, I guess Tom needs to sit. Yesterday I was not so high on him even getting four games. You know, I was thinking along the lines of, man, a game or two on this thing would be good. But in hindsight and thinking about it some, uh, a four-game max, you don't need to lose him for eight games over no, this. No, but, but I'm not man, necessarily a done.
2: hater in that, I mean, it's not like me being a homer and you're telling me the Eagles did it, okay? I want people to understand. I'm just trying to be honest. I wouldn't want my friend. Listen, if you told me Romo was deflating the game balls, I would want him suspended for four games because I I don't think Mm -hmm. it's right. I mean, I I I love sports. I don't want – I don't like to see sports tainted. I don't care if it's my team or your team. To me, when you start getting into the area of the integrity of the sport, changing the, the playing conditions purposely, changing the ball, the bat, the hoop. that That's a big deal to me. It really is.
1: Yeah, well, this is such a great segue into the next thing that we're going to do. But first, we're going to take a break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about home run number 661, something that should be rather significant for any baseball player when they reach that number, just how significant is it for this guy and then what lies ahead for the guy who just hit 661 home runs in Major League Baseball. We'll talk about that and more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud show right after this.
0: (laughs) What is this? Maybach music.
1: (laughs) The 7-on-7 season summer basketball family picnics all around the corner and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers why screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups they're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price more colors mean higher prices how do we solve this do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron that's right with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com you can design your own logos put any wording you want Print it on your inkjet print paper and using the proper paper sold by tshirtsupplies.com. You can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday gifts. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, nos, hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's
0: 1-877-85-PAPER, t-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, girl. You gonna eat your cornbread? Mm-hmm. Oh, travel. Don't say
1: not to. You talking to me? Yeah, I think you're talking to you.
0: Um <laughs> uh-huh. Bam. 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 Bam.
1: Bam. Let it bump though.
0: A hard knock life.
1: is that what this next gentleman is going through as hard as you could believe i mean people think money solves everything uh that is the general thought here in this country the guys made 250 million dollars 300 million dollars off of a contract maybe made uh 400 million dollars in his career all is good there should be no problems in life but is alex rodriguez happy last night he surpassed a very big milestone in uh baseball um, even though we know the, not the home run king once he passed 660, but passing Willie Mays in anything in the game of baseball is normally cause for a huge celebration, and it just didn't seem all that huge last night when when A Rod did it. But uh, are you begging to differ?
2: No, Man, I think I think what's going to happen is, is this this generation now, the guys in their twenties. They'll be the next guys that, when they break records, will actually give a damn about them. Um, mm-hmm. I think that most people have accepted the guys from that era played at a time when, you know, let's face it, things were going on with both the hitters and the pitchers. And while I've said on this show everything's relative and you grade people against their peers, I still think that means some of these guys were great players. I, you know, I think in his day Rod was a great player. I think Bonds was too. But I also think that most people are have. You know, just growing accustomed to the fact that the home run records, especially, became tainted. So, you know, I, I just—I don't think it's a big deal. That's why I think people are kind of like, yeah, he, he was a good hitter. You know, who knows? Would he have hit six hundred? Maybe. Would he have hit five hundred? Who knows? But you know, do we think he would have hit six sixty without without what happened? Probably not. So I think most people just say eh, whatever.
1: I'm of the opinion he would have hit he would have passed Mays anyway. I think that I think that would have happened anyway, but uh who's to know you know who's to know who's to know how long he really was taking steroids who's to know that his whole Texas Rangers career uh was fueled on on steroid use <clears throat> it seems to be going to Texas back in that day um i don't know you 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 well, tend to believe that they had roids all through that locker room well but don't? you know
2: my theory on the roids is not the individual homers went up because you hit the ball necessarily further um, I think there's two things, and you hit on one, the psychology of it. You know, you just thought nobody could throw a ball by you because you had that, whatever you want to call it, for lack of a better term, roid rage going on, that confidence. Like, mm. But yeah. I think more importantly, it was the injuries. It allowed you to heal faster. It allowed you to not get hurt at all. and allowed you to play more games. And if you play more games and you're talented and you're not on the DL, I mean, let's hypothetically take a guy like a Manny, who, or a Hanley Ramirez who played down there. Hanley's mm. always hurt. Imagine if Hanley had the benefit of somehow using uh, uh, a steroid or an HGH to not get injured as much. His numbers might be incredible.
1: You know, this has always been an issue, though, with baseball. Uh, While no one would call it a physically demanding sport, uh, it's always been an issue because of the amount of games and the limited amount of rest time you have during a baseball season. That's always been an issue. There were uppers taken, uh, you know, back in the day. There's always seemed to have been around the game of baseball some type of narcotic, some type of enhancing aid to get the players through the grueling parts of of a baseball season. And for for football fans, very difficult for something like for them to understand that. But well, what they need to understand is that a football player can go play a football game on a Sunday, and if he's a veteran who you know has an aging body, uh, maybe he doesn't practice Tuesday or Wednesday. That will often happen. When I was in Seattle, um, you know Brian Blades was, I believe, in his eighth or ninth season. He rarely ever practiced, Emil. He rarely ever practiced. Yeah, he showed right. up,
2: basically did the walkthrough and played, but he knew the system. That's and
1: and game, yeah. game time, he was there, so he can get a week's rest. If you're a baseball player chasing history or chasing bonuses or trying to remain relevant or on top of your game, you can't miss two games in a row, three games in a row. You can't take a whole week off. There's actual competition and games going on while you want to sit on the bench. And then how long before people start questioning your heart, uh, you know, how much you love the game and all that. So you need to be in this lineup just about every day. Or like think about a guy like Ricky Henderson who's chasing history and needed to – uh, not only play, but steal bases every night. And think about the way he used to steal bases, diving into each base. Well, um, that, that m- can my a opinion, Chad,
2: you, is this. First of all, I think first, people who say that stuff about baseball never played it above the level of Little League or T-ball. You played oh, baseball. Yeah, you played baseball. Listen, we're not here playing. Don't picture your slow-pitch softball game where guys lobbing a ball at you, you swing as hard as you can, then you go have a beer after you get to the bench. You're playing a sport where guys are throwing the ball in excess of 90 miles an hour at you every night. Mm-hmm. It's your livelihood. You're doing the hardest single act, I, I believe, in any sport, which is putting a round, uh, squaring up a round ball and a round bat at mm-hmm. speeds like that. Mm-hmm. Y- you, your concentration level has to be to the tenth power to be good at it. Now you're yep. combining travel, tremendous heat, and you know what? Watch a major league game. Sure, they're not hitting each other like a football game, but when you're on first mm-hmm. base... And, and you're going in second, into second hard on a double play. You're throwing your body at somebody, and you're doing that every day. Sure, it's not getting hit by a 240-pound guy, but you know you're getting beat up subtly. You know what I mean? Death by oh, a thousand oh, cuts. listen.
1: How about being a how about just being a guy who could steal a base? How about being a guy who could steal a base that gets on first base and needs to be held by the pitcher and is going to dive back into that base four or five times every time he
2: gets on?
0: And there's no equipment. Your hips are well, on the ground. Well, but here's what you're going to get the guy the calling the
2: show. Listen, here's what the guy's going to call. Man, diving back into a base. You're, t- you're kidding me, right? A running back runs the ball 25 times. But, again, back up, guys, to Chad's point. That running back then gets in a hot tub, and if he's a veteran, he sits around and, and hangs out till Wednesday, maybe he doesn't practice, and then he does it the next week. And I'm not trying to say mm-hmm. it's not brutal. The baseball player then – Plays the next day, the next day, gets on a plane, flies overnight, gets in in the morning, grabs some sleep, does it the next day. In a major league season, there's 162 games. You know how many days off you get? 21.
1: That's amazing. And that some of them amazing. are
2: travel days.
1: So and they are you're travel even days, getting... and and your clock's all messed up because you're traveling from coast to coast. You're getting in at different hours. You're going to sleep. Uh, at different hours, and God forbid, if life gets in the way and you've got any anything going on that you know you only got four or five sleep four or five hours of sleep the night before, then you need to go sit in a batter's box and keep your attention while a ninety five mile per hour fastball is coming in at you. People really need to understand the the, the grueling um, take that baseball can have on an individual, and and, and unfortunately, um, narcotics have been A way to cope and get to 160 games. Baseball is a
2: very difficult sport to make it in because it's a game of adjustments and you can't just be a great athlete. And I know football is too, and and I know you coach it, and you'll tell me that guys need to adjust, and I agree with you. But football, a lot of times your athleticism can get get you by. In other words, Mm -hmm. if you're a great athlete, you can hide a lot of your technical flaws sometimes by just being flat out better, more talented than the other guy. That's Mm -hmm. hard in baseball. In other words, at some point, yeah, you could be a great athlete, but if you can't adjust to what they're trying to do to you, and mm-hmm. once they find a hole in your swing, mm-hmm. uh, major league pitchers will attack it until you adjust. And if you don't adjust, you're just another game, another mentally. guy. that Yeah, you'll done. get
1: destroyed mentally. With that being said, Emil, them dudes took steroids so they could hit bombs. <laughs> they did!
0: <laughs> <laughs> After all that,
1: they took the damn roids so they could smash that thing up into the upper deck. Okay, let's just... Let's yeah. just be real. Yeah. Let's just be real about it. But yes, a part of that though, let's not. Let, you know, I'm being funny, but a part of that is, man, you gotta recover uh, from from the toll that baseball will take on your body, especially, man, when you start getting, um, you know, to your late 20s, early 30s in this sport. Imagine that. By the time you're 30 years old, when you're a Rod, who came up when he was 19. Yeah. You, he was in his 11th season around age 29, 30. Um, he had played in over 1,500 baseball games. 1,500 baseball games. So, but before, um,
2: before we hop back on football, I want to ask you something. I know you were a big baseball fan growing up, and you still are to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gone to a game. I'm sure you've sat down, like say the first or third base line, where you can see the batter. The thing yes. that always amazes me at a major league game that I think your average fan who maybe didn't play and just enjoys the sport doesn't pick up on this. Mm-hmm. Do you ever notice the speed? With which the the hitter can swing his bat, I don't think that's really. I've, I think
1: I've noticed the speed at which the ball it, it's. You know, when you're watching a game at home,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know your camera angle is from behind that pitcher center field, mm-hmm. you don't get an appreciation for just how damn fast that ball is getting to that catcher's mitt out of that pitcher's hand. That's the thing that um, strikes me the most when I go to baseball games, and I've been to many. And if I if I were to go to one this evening, I'd still marvel at just how well, that, damn fast that definitely that ball is
2: something that, that that is is not lost on me. Ha- having having pitched, I, I I enjoy that aspect of it. But I like watching when a guy swings and misses because I don't mm. think most fans realize they're swinging that bad about hundred miles an hour. The top players, the guys that can actually mm. you know really mash. When you're mm. talking about the torque to generate a swing of that speed with with a bat that weighs whatever, 33, 34 ounces, that takes a toll on your legs, your hips. And I know people mm-hmm. out there are chuckling because they never did it. Mm-hmm. Swinging a bat that heavy at something moving that fast and swinging mm-hmm. that bat upwards of 95 to 100 miles an hour takes a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. No kidding.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> a
2: really? lot of strength.
1: And, and listen, you know, beginning in my mid-30s, man, Sprinting up the damn stairs in my home, I could do something to myself. So, um, I think I tore a meniscus
2: it. doing the show, Chad. I moved in my chair the wrong way, and my knee—I was about yeah, to scream on air.
1: You're talking to a former, you're talking to a <laughs> former athlete and someone who stays in shape. And I, and and yeah, running up the stairs and not really paying attention to what you're doing could have consequences uh, on you in your mid-thirties. So, um, listen—you got to have a certain amount of respect for these guys. The real catch-22, though, is that those steroids can have you. Uh, recover from a workout faster, it it also kind of makes you injury-prone. So it's a real double-edged sword there with, with the steroids. So A-Rod, 661. Uh, how much longer he'll play? Will he reach 700? Will he pass 714 and get to – where did Bonds put that thing? 755, who knows. Yeah,
2: something like who knows that, if right? he'll get
1: that far. He's enjoying a good season from a home run standpoint. So we'll see just where this thing goes. Flipping it back to football, I know you're all uh, – Giddy is the word of the day, it seems, that we're using here. I know you're all giddy about the signing. Somebody was going to get this kid. First of all, what a tremendous uh, bad break for Lyle Collins, the offensive lineman from LSU, who was detained and questioned uh, on the murder of his ex-girlfriend, the timing of it, Right before the draft, and this is a guy who was uh, a possible first round, at the very least. No, no. Basically, high I, high I
2: I've read several sources. This guy was a first rounder. I mean, I've read three different sources. Every guy mm-hmm. had him as the first or second lineman, first or second lineman. Period. In the draft.
1: Yeah, certainly a highly rated guy who was in, you know, in line to make quite a bit of money uh, last weekend, and uh, because of the timing of all this lost out on that opportunity. I don't know. That that's what you would call a really really bad break. Nevertheless, uh I don't want to say all as well, but he did he received a tremendous opportunity and uh of all the teams out there, he happened to go
2: to your team.
1: I mean, did they need an did they need another offensive lineman? Did they need that?
2: Cowboys well, might have
1: been the last team who needed it.
2: Well, that's that's the irony here, but what what's funny to me is, you know, I sit here saying to myself, what what makes me happy is knowing that their front office to me yeah, you can always argue about a team's draft, but I think generally speaking, their front office finally has figured it out. It took a long time, and I think most of the moves were made by Willie Clay and Stephen Jones, their you know, their player personnel guy, and Jerry's son. Mm. But in this case, I'm going to give Jerry credit. This was all about Jerry. Jerry was well, the how guy. Tell us how this
1: happened, because tell, tell, I know you follow this, uh, cl- uh, closely. You followed it closer than I did. Well, we killed Jerry, right? How did, they sign, how did they sign them before, you know, how did they well, sign this, them as opposed to someone this kid could
2: pick else, any like team, Dolphins? Chad. Here's the deal. He could pick any team. Okay, he's a free mm-hmm. agent. The biggest mm-hmm. contract in undrafted rookie free agents allowed is three years, $1.65 million. That's what he got mm-hmm. from the Cowboys, fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's mm-hmm. getting the money regardless, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, most of those moves I talked about earlier, this, the last three or four years, I give his son credit for. But this was Jerry being Jerry. Never mm-hmm. stopped selling. Jerry got a hold of the kid. They mm-hmm. had dinner at the house, at Jerry's house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. In walks Romo, Witten, Tyron Smith, and I want to say Zach Martin and somebody else for dinner.
1: So they recruited this guy a la uh, high school senior.
2: Correct. College, but the kid and his mother true. are there. And I get, I read this article about the kid and his mother. They said even before this happened that Jerry could not have been, you know, a, you know, nicer to them in general. Just about what's going on in his life, talking to him about it. The kid, the kid, fell in love with with Jerry and the Cowboys. I mean, that's really what happened. I mean, this was like a guy going to Florida and signing. I mean, that's how this thing went down. Um, they said the kids. I didn't watch it yet, but I'm told that watching his press conference, Jones set up a big press conference for him yesterday. And uh, Jerry said, listen, this kid really deserved to have his day at the draft. He was in Chicago. He was going to get picked in the first round. Jones said, I felt bad that the kid didn't get to have his jersey and hat and all that stuff because he deserved it. He's a nice kid. So he set that up mm-hmm. for him yesterday. It might not mm-hmm. be the same as the draft, but I guess this kid mm-hmm. spoke off the cuff for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Very articulate young man. And, and they said that people in the audience, including Jones himself,
0: were mm-hmm. getting
2: teary-eyed. About what this kid's mm. kid had a tough upbringing. I guess his father was in jail, raised by the mother. Right. Um, talked about, you know, how he, he he's not bitter, and contrary to what most people think, he doesn't care that he's not getting the most money he could because he plays the game because he loves the game. And he said, you know,
1: awesome. You got to, yeah. I mean, that.
2: honestly, I got to watch it because I read an article about it and they said like uh, the they, the camera caught Jerry Jones over on the side wiping wiping his eyes. They said there was people in the audience like I guess. Getting, getting welled up over this kid. What he said in just 20 minutes.
1: fans right now are in their mind are just saying, F this guy talking on Well, maybe they are. Right I mean, won't
2: find that well, crap. Eh, maybe, listen, maybe the guy ends up not Some being Some of your that Italian
1: good. friends in New York that are giant fans are like, whatever,
2: eh, maybe the silly. guy ends up not being that good. I don't know. All I know is this. I think it's kind of ironic that a guy who is never considered a suspect from the jump, I mean, you know, in this case, falls completely out of the draft. I find that weird.
1: Uh, so what do you think happened there?
2: I think teams overreacted. I mean, the reports from the police were always that he's not really a suspect. He just needs to be cleared. He took the paternity test, wasn't the father, took a polygraph, wasn't lying. It was an unfortunate situation. A murder happened here to someone he was close to. I think that's what's really gotten lost in all this, is that you could, know this guy had uh, someone he could, was close to get what murdered. What the timing of this?
1: could the police department have perhaps delayed uh, some of what they did until after the draft?
2: Yes, or perhaps, you know, I think that's not, you know, again, if they really didn't think this guy was a suspect, I know they can't necessarily say that publicly, but if they really internally felt this guy didn't do it, we just need to talk to him and clear him, they could have waited if they really thought that. I mean, I don't know what they thought. I'm not accusing them. I don't know what they thought. But if internally you and I are sitting there as cops and we're like, you know what? This kid didn't do this. We got to clear him. But this kid, why can't we do it the week after the draft?
1: Yeah, just the timing on that was really, really crazy. Well, before we end this, what what you've signed this guy now, and again, yeah, you, you know, from what we've said here, obviously first round talent. Um, what do they do on their offense? Well, here's line the plan. I mean, you this know, you,
2: you know me. I love the offensive line. I loved it from my days in the '90s. I think everything on offense starts right there. If you can't block it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who's playing the rest. So, you got three APL pros, 25 or younger. You got Smith, you got Frederick, you got Martin. This kid will probably get a chance at replacing Ron Leary, who's a serviceable guard. Um, mm-hmm. he's a, he was a, a restricted free agent this year, re signed with them. They, they got him undrafted. He's a decent player, not bad. But he got used in that game in Green Bay. I think they'll start mm-hmm. this kid at guard, and if he can beat out Leary, that's where he'll play this year. He's a real mauler, from what I understand. His strength mm-hmm. is the run game. And then I think mm. as Doug Free ages out, he's the only guy in that line that's that's over the age of twenty five. He's thirty one years mm. old. He's their right mm. tackle. I think as his skills decline, this kid slides out to right tackle where he belongs because it's much easier to find a guard.
1: Right. Okay. And you know, well, you know
2: what's funny to me, you know, it's funny in a, in a way that only a sick cowboy fan can find funny. The Redskins needed an offensive lineman so bad that they took the kid from Iowa at number five, who's a fine player, but projects as a guard in the NFL. And he might be a great guard, but projects as a guard. They pass on Leonard Williams falling in their lap. Potentially the Cowboys just signed a guy for less money. That grades out the same or better by almost every expert than the kid the Redskins took at number five. got to love that as a Cowboy fan.
1: Yeah, you, you you do, man. And they've gotten rich there along the offensive line. And, uh yeah, i want them to get a come on coach can you there. ever
2: have too many offensive linemen isn't it like having too many pitchers can you ever well, really be and you
1: can because here's my deal with the offensive line you don't rotate them guys you know you you rotate defensive linemen when you get five guys there it's got to be like a family no one's falling out no one's moving away from home it's like this is us the five of us and we're we're trying to start 16 to 20 games and it's and so what's this the problem? Up, You've got high. four
2: guys now, twenty five or younger, first round picks. Because I'm I'm considering this guy a first round pick. It was just dumb luck that he ends no, up with. No, listen, the way man.
1: Look, there's no problem. I got no problem at all with the with the O line. It's just I really wanted something uh, more exciting at that running back spot. You know, McFadden's. Exciting, the offseason's but I know, I not know, over
2: yet, Chad. I already know the offseason is man. not David over, Peterson.
1: Give me Gordon. Give me Gurley. I want someone that when they get through that line, because they're going to get through that line, uh, a whole lot of cuss words are being said by fans of other My teams. friend, Peterson hasn't reported
2: anywhere yet, okay? It's it's I early. I got it.
1: I got it. I, but you know, Chris Johnson is giving shout outs,
2: by the way. Chris Johnson. No, man. No to Chris that. Johnson's no to <laughs> that. <giving laughs>
1: shout-outs. The only way Chris Johnson is going to get yards. For the Dallas Cowboys is if they sign Vince Young, because that's the only time he's ever gotten yards in his friggin' football career. So don't hit me. Hey, dude, the, the way, way this is Dustin. going
2: down, you might hear me on TMZ giving a shout out. Hey, Jerry, Amel from 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 Pennsylvania, I can get 400 yards for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, for crying out loud. No, I just I don't want the Floyd Mayweather running back. Okay, God, I, Mayweather fans are gonna hate me, but. Give me a Pacquiao at running back. Give me, give me a Roy Jones. Give me something exciting. Once they get through that line, I already know they're going to get the first three yards, four yards on their own. I need sixty-yard runs this year. I need guys uh, getting both. Uh, listen, Peterson to the Cowboys. With I'm, I'm telling you, if that happens, you got yourself a Cowboys fan for 2015. And well, I'm going to get on the
2: bandwagon. I, I do like seriously. All kidding aside, I like the way the front office has laid out a long-term plan because if you can be stable up front, you can, you can be in the mix every year. And, you know, they've got four young guys now with this kid, um, free. They have a plan to replace him when he leaves with this kid. And, honestly, Leary and and the other guy, Borodough, however you say his last name, that will be their depth this year. They have your guy, Chaz Green, that can now take his time developing from the University of Florida, a kid that has the body, probably needs to work on some things. I mean, I like the plan that they've laid out up front. I do, I have to admit to you, I love it
1: yeah as we all know it all it all starts up front well listen man it's it started for us at ten a m it's past eleven, so that means we're gonna end this thing um hey, listen, just for you i didn't I didn't get the song you wanted, but we're not gonna end with the end for Friday. It's something a little more happy, you know uh okay, good, you know, so uh, listen, it's this weekend we hope we all get lucky, so get lucky is the song that's gonna take us out here um <laughs> And uh, we hope you enjoy your weekend. We're definitely going to enjoy ours. We'll be back on Monday, Amos and I, to break down whatever goes down over this weekend. And get your mothers uh, we'll, some flowers. Remember, Sunday's that's Mother's right. Day. right. Mother's Day's coming up. Don't, don't forget, Mom. Don't be that guy. All right? So until Monday, we'd like to thank you all for listening for Amos Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy your weekend and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers listening to us out there. We'll see you on Monday.
0: Thanks again. Thanks again. Nice again. we So, all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges?